HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? Learn more about Wisconsin's cheese-making history at wisconsincheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're examining the true cost of convenience when it comes to when, where, and how we eat. Dark stores enable workers to eat without any kind of thought to how they're getting their food or how it might have come to be. DoorDash, Uber, and Lyft in the past have pledged to spend $90 million to try to exempt themselves from the law. I could be wrong, uh, but I, I think there's going to be significant regulatory pushback on driverless trucks. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. Long time no see. I know. I know. It's good to be back. Yeah. Long time, long time since we've been actually live in the studio. I know, yeah. It's we we keep we keep missing each other because well, you've been gallivanting all over the place. I've done a few trips. Yeah, I was uh, most recently in Kiev. Kiev. I don't Kiev. know how to pronounce it like they do. How did they? Oh, they, Kiev. They, oh, interesting. I don't know. It slides out of the tongue. Yeah. Anyway, blowing some whistles over there. Ever what? ever been there? Yeah. Well, I had. There's a server over there that's got uh, all my recipes on it. I had to go re- retrieve. <laughs> Something like that. Who knows? Um, yeah, the jokes fall on pretty deaf ears over there. They were very embarrassed about the situation. I'm sure, I mean, it's, it's, it's embarrassing for us, too. Well, I was like, look, we, we got this guy all the time. We're just having to deal with him right now. Um, <laughs> We've been doing this for three years. Yeah. Uh, but it was a fascinating time. Went over there for uh, um, an expo called Barometer. B-A-R. Barometer. Get it? Barometer. Ah, Clever. With ah. the puns. Ugh. So sneaky. Yeah. But turns out it's in its fourth year. And it's massive. 20,000 attendees. Yeah, you were showing me the pictures of it. The spaces looked enormous. Yeah, the room that I spoke to was over 600 people. And I learned a hard lesson. Campari asked me to come over there and talk about Amori Margot's success and how I, you know, view it and how I make it work. Um, Which is, you know, of course, I always talk about that bar as the bumblebee, right? It's it's not aerodynamically sound, but somehow it flies. So I'm up on stage in front of 600 people, and I don't uh, do PowerPoints. So they've got this giant screen behind me that's a video of me 
in front of myself. That's a little weird. And then on the other side of the screen, where it would normally be your PowerPoint, is just a big picture of me. <laughs> so it's just me on the back. Did you did you have kind of like a dictator moment where you're just like, oh you yeah, know, for surrounded sure, surrounded by giant. Pictures oh, and you're of in yourself, this, and you're like, oh, yes, it's me. And you're in this town. I have arrived. You're in this town that's just got all this brutalism architecture. It's very like <laughs> post-Soviet. So yeah, there was that moment for sure. But the lesson that I learned the hard way is when you're in an international show like that and you're speaking to that many people, more than half of the audience is listening to simulcast uh, translations with a seven to nine second delay. (laughs) So me up there riffing on stage and dropping jokes and asking questions to the audience and just crickets, just chirping. Is this thing on? Hello? Um, And then they get it. You know, you're already past it. It's so awkward. So I I learned a harsh (laughs) lesson. Uh, but it was a good time, and I really thank Kapari for taking me over there and uh, showing me that part of the world. I got to go to some amazing bars, um, which uh, I definitely want to visit again. I'm gonna—I already pledged to be involved in Barometer next year, and we're gonna do a Mori Margot pop-up bar, as well as I'll get up and give a better speech. <clears throat> and uh, pause and, for jokes. And, yeah, exactly. That's the part I didn't have <laughs> planned in. So I got to keep moving, and then yeah. And then some people get it right away, and then there's a <clears throat> group of folks who get it seven seconds later, and a group of folks who get it nine seconds later. Because <laughs> they're different languages, it takes longer to you know to translate. It was, anywho, <clears throat> what have you been up to? Uh, I've been working hard on uh, season two of Bar None. I can actually now officially. Uh, I was down in D.C. two weeks ago doing some recording, uh, working with a fantastic group of actors down there. Um, it's great. I've known these guys for a while, and you know they're really pursuing their craft and you know I've been working with them on the show for a while but now I can you know they've even started winning awards like I had a few friends who like since the last time we did our first season have won Helen Hayes awards down there which is kind of like the the Tonys of Washington DC so now it's you know now I can say that I have award-winning actors on my show, even though it's you know the same people who have always been amazing the entire time. Right, and Bar None is your, of course, your podcast, which is very scripted and detailed uh, episodes that deal with one drink at a time and the way that history was happening around that drink when it came out. Exactly, yeah, kind of uh, uses one drink per episode as a lens to look at. You know, uh, we we look at a whole bunch of different stuff. I've got one that's looking at. Um, Central Park in the Manhattan, because both of those kind of came out of the same time period and the same zeitgeist in, here in New York. Uh, worked on an episode about light beer. That was a ton of fun to work on. <laughs> um, I actually got to uh, I got to talk to my dad for that one because he was a opening day employee at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. So former Anheuser-Busch, really low down on the totem pole uh, employee. So I really got the... Uh, Whatever the opposite of the bird's eye view is. Of sure, the, the more the everyman angle. Exactly. Um, but we did some good work, and I can now officially announce that our second season is going to be dropping uh, December 1st. That's when that episode about the Manhattan's going to come out. So December 1st, you can find Bar None on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, on our website, which is barnunradio.com, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded and consumed. Yeah, outstanding. I'll, I'll post that up on the show notes as well, so thank you. So people can find Barnon. It's a great show, and I'm, it's more than half the reason that I've asked you to come and sit in with me as often as you do. So I appreciate everything you do with that show. That was my golden buttery voice. That too. I mean, that's <laughs> it. I mean, it, you do have a very dulcet tone. Um, and then one more thing for me, since we haven't been live for the past few weeks, you know, I did open uh, Amori Margot Brooklyn. I yeah, I've been. It's it's a great space. Yeah, um, much to the surprise and dismay of many of my friends who are owners and operators, I literally built some false walls to take up floor space <laughs> because I wanted it to be smaller, so it was closer in size to the original Mori Margot. 
All, my, can, all my friends look at me and go, you know you pay rent by the square foot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could still tell that like when I was in there with you, I mean, you know, you seem it's a great space and, you know, you, you and everyone behind it should be very proud of it. But I could still tell that you were like, this is a lot more open space than I'm used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a little agoraphobic in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what are those tables doing yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, fun we're, space. Yeah, it's a fun space. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, anyway, well, let's get to the show. Uh, in the studio today, a very special guest, um, Effie Panagopoulos. Yay! Uh, yay! I said it right. Did I get it right? Yes. On the first try. Yeah, um, I let you take that one. I was like, I'm not touching that one with yeah. a 10-foot pole. Um, Effie's got a couple of cool things in her past that we're going to definitely talk about. Uh, one of the things you sent me over in your bio says that you're, you're the only female bartender at Boston College Dive Bar Mary Ann's, which was, you went on to say awarded worst bar in Boston by the Boston Globe, which is, that's amazing. I already, like, immediately I want to go to that bar. <laughs> just and, closed. <clears throat> oh, oh, no. Oh. It just closed. Oh, no. What a drag. Um, but then I heard it's actually going to reopen. And so, well, okay, well, that's good, but it, it'll probably be all clean, right? Like, they have to clean it up to reopen it. That's, that's what kills things. If they're yeah. smart, they'll keep it the same, because the place was a cash cow. I started off working there Wednesday nights, which was dollar draft night, and people would come in and pay me for, with quarters. In my that's hilarious. God. <laughs> in my hometown, there was a place called the Social Grill, and it was just a burger and hot dog joint, and you went there and you got those things, and they were there for 20-something years, and then they closed to remodel, and they reopened, and everybody complained that it wasn't as good. And so they literally went down to the iron yard where they had ditched their original grill, and they got the grate from the original grill and put it back on the grill, and everybody was like, okay, that's good now. It was the you know the the twenty five years of crud on the grill that made it amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 you know it's history, man. It's like it's a what's the word a house taste, you know? Like exactly. um, yeah. there's this uh, well, there's a brewery in Belgium that when they uh, you know finally after like five hundred years uh, they got like you know a brand spanking new facility and the beers just weren't turning out right and they like brought everything that they could over and they do spontaneous fermentation so like disturbing the culture was a huge thing mm -hmm. and they eventually realized i think that it was um the bricks that like there was enough microorganisms living in the bricks that they had to go down to the dump where the original bricks were yeah. bring all of them back replace all the new bricks and then like the beers turned out fine after that yeah house taste house taste so you started off in bartending, but now you've launched the first, uh, you're the first Greek woman in history to self-start a spirits brand. Let's talk about that real fast. What's your brand? Well, the brand's called Cleos. Yeah. It's a Greek liqueur made from a superfood called mastica. And mastica is the little crack rocks that I laid in front of you guys right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going so, to post photos of these things on the Instagram so you, you can check those is, out. It's a resin from a tree that grows only in 24 villages uh, in the southern part of the island of Chios. So it's what you call a PDO. It's a protected designation of origin ingredient. So similar to Blue Weber Agave that only comes from the Jalisco region, Mastica literally only comes from these 24 villages in, in Chios. And what's cool about it, there's a lot of things that are cool about it, but it was the world's first chewing gum. So the root of the word to chew in most Romance languages comes from the Greek, from mastica. It's masticar in Spanish and Italian, mastique in French, and then Southern, you knew that American word. Masticate. To masticate. To chew. Which means to chew. Uh, also comes from the Greek. Um, but mastica is a superfood. Uh, it kills H. pylori, which is the bacteria that causes peptic ulcers, gastric cancer, and acid reflux. It's a natural remedy for Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, 
very sexy stuff. Um, <laughs> and I decided to make alcohol from it. Um, and pretty in line with uh, my my personality, the healing properties for the stomach and digestive system are actually retained in liquor form. So you drink a couple of ounces of Cleos, you'll burp up a little bit. Uh, I was saying before, Frank Bruni just wrote an amazing piece, probably the most thorough piece I've ever seen written on Mastika by an American journalist um, because he's losing his sight in one eye. So he's part of a controlled study on mastica and eye health. So this stuff is literally a panacea. It's a cure-all, do-all. It's used as an... So Frank Bruni's drinking this stuff to save his sight. He, he, he is, uh, I believe, probably taking mastica in some sort of pill form sure. or liquid dropper. Um, Did you send him a bottle? You should send him a bottle. I <laughs> actually messaged him on Facebook and he didn't write me back. Yeah, he's a busy man. Just um, send it to the New York Times. We'll I get it. I know, I know, I know. I got an in over there. We'll get you an address. I know. I, I, guy at the local paper. I love Frank. Paper. I love Frank Bruni. He was when I actually lived in the city. I mean, I would live for his reviews. He would rip people apart. It was kind of brilliant. <laughs> well, yeah, but also firm but fair. I would say I, yes. lo- I loved it when he was the, yes. the reviewer as well. Um, yes. Not just because I was on a team that got three stars out of Bruni, which was I think only thirty-eight in his career got three stars. I was at Dovetail when we opened that joint. I love that restaurant. Ah, uh, so did I. R.I.P. Um, <clears throat> so. What makes someone say to themselves, I'm going to... Well, first of all, this sounds like stuff that I'm totally into, right? It sounds like a moral, but it doesn't look like a moral. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't... It, it, you know, it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck. This ain't a duck, though. Well, mastica is in the in the raw resin form, in the essential oil right form, now. it is actually quite bitter. Um, and the reality is, is I made over 17 formula iterations, so some were veering more, you know... 40 ABV, very dry. Those were quite gin-like. Um, there probably is definitely a potential to make this somewhat more like an Amaro. Um, but the reality is, is I did a lot of focus groups. So I did consumer focus groups. I did bartender focus groups. And the reality was, was the bartenders loved the dry formulas and then consumer hated the dry formulas. So, um, <laughs> that sounds about right. I really wanted, Typical. my goal with Cleos was to make a mastica that would be balanced enough that you could drink it on the rocks and really enjoy it. Cause most mastica in Greece, actually 90% of it is cloyingly sweet, um, and then as a cocktail ingredient, I kind of joke we've entered the age of the 10-ingredient cocktail. So um, I really wanted to give room to bartenders to add simple, add fruit, add another cordial, and still be able to have a balanced cocktail. And that's kind of exactly what's happening, is you'll see Cleos acts like a great base. And then as a modifier, it's really fantastic for layering flavors and also acts kind of like a bridge. We'll give a nice really like mid palette to a cocktail. Um, it's really great at kind of unifying conflicting flavors, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I love it. I love I love the juice. I'm very proud of it. Let's talk about this gum for a minute since I'm yeah. chewing on it right now. Are you chewing <laughs> on something too? No, I'm going to pop some into my mouth right now. I was holding off because I Super crunchy to... at first and then yeah. it becomes gum. Yeah. But oh. it's... It, it turns waxy. Okay. You just got to give give it some almost patience. Like, almost eucalyptus-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, lemon balm and menthol. But like... There's, there's something that does feel... You were talking about everything that it does for the human body. There's something that feels very... Cleansing. Yeah, well... 
medicinal, but not in like a harsh Fernetti sort of way. You Correct. Know? It's like all the right. Well, we just ate some delicious Roberta's pizza, and this is kind of like I feel like it's freshening my mouth, even it's, though it doesn't have mm. any aggressive. It's the ultimate palate cleanser. Literally yeah, really wipes the palate clean. You and brought this in a little box. Is it, is it sold this way, or are you just carrying it in that box? Um, yeah, thought, it's sold it this way. These box. are these are twenty gram tins, and these would cost you like fourteen bucks at the airport in Greece. So it's pretty Whoa. expensive. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was handed to me with no explanation. It was just kind of like here, and like you said, they do kind of look a little bit like crack rocks. I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of those shows today, huh? But yeah, here we go. I yeah. just did a display at the Village Vintner on Tenth and Sixth, and I got these mirrored risers, and I spread the mustica all over the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it got people's attention. I'm it sure. looks controversial. Yes. Now, where do you hail from? Are you from Greece proper? My parents were immigrants. Mm-hmm. They are from Tripoli and Megalopoli, which are towns that are about two, two and a half hours south of Athens. And then my grandfathers were from Kalamata and Sparti. So all mainland Greece, Peloponnesos. I was born and raised in Boston. You have a duality of accents. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... How then, as growing up in Boston and, and bartending in Boston, how did you come across this and decide to yourself, this is where I'm going to go? Well, it was a, I mean, we're talking over a 20 years. Of course. 20 I'm years sure went, I'm sure story. Went to the here. homeland a bunch, yeah. But, um. We got time, lay it on us. No, you know, it was honestly funny. There was a piece that came out in Food and Wine magazine, and it was uh, titled 10 Cocktail Ready Spirits. So it was brands created by bartenders. I was the only female in that piece. But, you know, people like Simon Ford. This and, is a th- recurring theme for you. Yeah. Only female at that bar. <laughs> only female to start a business, business like this. Uh, well, hopefully female. that's going to start changing, right? I hope so, too. Um, but, yeah, Philip Duff was in that piece. Simon Ford was in that piece. Um, Both so, guys so, have but, been on the show before. Good right. Friends. But we're talking bartenders with pedigree, right? So I've never actually bartended at a proper cocktail bar. So I just found it a little ironic that I'm like, yay, I I bartended at the shittiest bar in Boston, (laughs) and here I am. Worst bar in Boston. (laughs) Award-winning worst bar in Boston. No, literally my first night bartending at Mary... My first night working at Marianne's was absolutely classic. Like, the end of the night, it was a bunch of big, like, burly buffalo wing eating football watching dudes and me and at the end of the night they started breaking all the empty beer bottles against the wall and i'm looking at them totally perplexed like uh is this some kind of alpha male ritual because i hope you don't think i'm cleaning up after you and they were like oh delaney cleans it i'm like who's delaney the bum that lives downstairs go introduce yourself i go down in the basement and literally there's you know i mean technically i guess he wasn't homeless because that's where he lived but like sleeping in his own piss in the corner, I like shed a tear, gave him half of my tips, came up and I was kind of like, all right, guys, I'm out, you know, and they were like, oh, don't feel bad for him. He, you know, eats Pino's pizza for free, drinks beer for free every day. You know, he's cleaning the place is his job. He's great. And they were like, you're not going anywhere. You got to do your Johnson. And it's just also kind of funny in today's climate. This would be so politically incorrect. How, well, first of all, how long are we talking ago? Uh, How long ago was it? So I was 19, 20. So it's over 20 years ago. Mm. Um, And yeah, the Johnson was every hard liquor on the top shelf. And then they threw Uzo and Metaxa in it in honor of my Greekness. You know, a little Bailey's just so it curdled nicely. (laughs) Um, And they bring a, you know, trash bucket over because apparently everyone who drank it puked on the spot. So I held my nose, downed it, and I was like, peace, I'm out. 
So I get this like yes. ovation and I threw up about two hours later. But that was, yeah, that was my first bartending job. The Johnson. No, That's brand new to me. Have you ever heard of a Johnson before? I've never heard of that. Like a no. mat shot or something. Yeah. Well, Boston people. Yeah. That's the thing. They're a little aggressive. Boston, so yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That's... This stuff is strangely satisfying to chew on. It's like I'm enjoying it, it. It really is. The other cool thing about mastica is it's it's natural chewing gum. So regular sugar-free chewing gum bloats the crap out of you and this does the exact opposite. Not only that, it kills all the cariogenic bacteria in the mouth, so it's really good for oral hygiene. Uh prevents gingivitis. They make toothpaste from mastica and they make mouthwash from mastica. Wow. This, is this there is anything like super, yeah. super food? And so it is. So also, please, guys, swallow it. Don't spit it out because it's as good as probiotics for gut health. Huh. I, well, too, too late because I didn't want to be like, you know, masticating on the air. Oh, like me? Uh, <laughs> can everybody hear me chewing? <laughs> Gee, can you hear me chewing out there? He's not going to answer. Yeah. Well, yeah I I'll He's try it. I'm just. Because, yeah, as I, you know, I was like, oh, it's chewing gum. I should, you know, the proper etiquette is to spit it out. But you can actually, well, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure it'll, you know, make me add 10 points to my IQ and, you know, cure my colorblindness if I, if I swallow it, right? It's just this thing oh, just does everything. I shot a bunch of educational videos for Mastika because there's just so much to know about it. I haven't put any of this stuff on social because... I'm a fledgling startup brand in four markets and I didn't want to like eat up all my good content, but I've got a great one where I literally, I don't know if you guys remember Chris Rock, how he riffed on Robitussin. It was like, kind of like, Oh yeah. Oh, you got a tummy ache? Put some, put some Tussin on it. Yeah. So I kind of did this little spoof video where I was like, put some Mustique on it (laughs) because it literally is a cure all do all. Yeah. Well, it's amazing stuff. This is why I fell in love with this. I'm going to keep chewing on this piece of uh, mastija. Yeah? Is that good? Yes. Did I pronounce it well? Exactly. That's one of my one of my biggest pet peeves is people when people call it mastica, because it's not mastica with a K, mastica. Uh, Serbians, Albanians uh, use the word mastica for their version of an anisette. Mm-hmm. So oh, two right. very yeah, yeah, distinct yeah. things. Sure. Mastija, Greek superfood, PDO ingredient, mastica is an anisette right. from Balkan countries. Two totally different things. Well, I'm going to keep chewing on this mastica, and we're going to come right back and talk to talk to Effie more about what well, we're going to talk about, this fitness, since, since we've been sort of touching on that. We're going to come back and talk about fitness with Effie. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin has storied cheese history that begins with Swiss, German, and Italian settlers in the 1800s and continues today with nonstop innovation and award-winning artisanship. Wisconsin was the first state to establish cheese-grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. It is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. All of this helps Wisconsin Cheese win more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country. Take, for example, Decatur Swiss Cheese Co-op, who have made cheese since the 1940s. Steve Stetler is a Wisconsin master cheesemaker who developed several new cheeses for the co-op, including a European-style Havarti, a Swiss lace cheese called Stetler Swiss, and a Colby Swiss marbled cheese. 
His cheeses have won awards at the Wisconsin State Fair and the World Championship Cheese Contest. To learn more about Wisconsin's award-winning cheesemakers, visit wisconsincheese.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Patrick Martins. I'm Brandon Hoy. And I'm Emily Pearson. Together we host The Main Course OG, where we cover food news and culture. Browse episodes of The Main Course OG wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. We're back. Oh, we're back. There, we're back. Hey, guys, we're back. Hey, we're back. We're back in the studio. It's uh, Speakeasy Podcast on Heritage Radio Network. We're talking to Effie Panagopoulos from uh, Cleos Masija. Yeah? Yes. Man, I'm really nailing these pronunciations. And I'm chewing on some of this stuff right now. I just had a sip of the. Uh, I just had a sip of actual Cleos, and it's. Um, well, don't get in there yet. Don't get in there yet. No, no. Okay. Let's all talk right. about fitness. We, we yeah, said we we're fitness. gonna talk about fitness and all natural and all that stuff. It seems to me like there's a theme in your life, right? You're an all natural bodybuilder. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what you told me off the air. You're dealing with this natural product that has all this natural healing power. You're, you take care of your body. Talk about bodybuilding. How did how did that come into your life, and how does it play in your life currently? So I started lifting weights, honestly, when I was 16 years old. And um, I went to this gym in Boston, and there was this bodybuilder in the gym who ended up becoming a really good friend of mine because I was just fascinated. I mean, you know, I'm Greek, so Greek statues and art. Sure, all about the, the form of the, the human body. the perfect form of the human body and just balance and aesthetics and that's really kind of what bodybuilding's about. It's a very vain sport and to be honest I made fun of it for a really long time. Like I got certified as a trainer uh, my senior year in college and I trained clients for a while. I taught spin for like six years um, but I never ever thought that I would walk on stage in stripper heels and be like flexing and posing or anything like that. I mean, it's quite cheesy, let's be honest. Um, and really, the reason that I finally bit the bullet and did a show, because I train and eat like a bodybuilder. Sure. Like I, I diet and train that way anyways. Um, it actually had to do with Cleos. I wanted to set an unattainable or seemingly unattainable goal for myself um, because raising capital uh, was a very daunting task. In fact, when I first attempted raising capital when I was in New York in 2010, I failed miserably. I was getting eaten up by VCs Shark Tank style. And um, when I finally was ready to you know, go at it again, However many years later, it was 2016 when I actually officially started my capital raise. Um, I kind of thought to myself, okay, either I'll do a Spartan race or a bodybuilding show. Because I was like pretty lean. I'm like, ah, you know what? Four months, five months, I could be ready. And so I'm very accident prone. Like you mentioned earlier, you thought I was athletic. I'm not very athletic at all. I'm like very clumsy. I'm good at lifting things. You can be athletic and not be graceful. I'm good at picking (laughs) things up and putting them down. Um, But like the Spartan race thing, I was like, oh, with my luck, I'll end up like breaking a nose or something. So I thought like, okay, I think I can manage walking in stripper heels. Um, And so honestly, I found the experience to be really really gratifying um body transformation is a really powerful thing more so from the mental aspect than it is really from the physical aspect 
I have never in my life had so much discipline. I felt really superhuman. And then, frankly, I was on stage with 26-year-olds, and I was 38, and I was pretty damn ripped. I looked really damn good. Yeah, <laughs> and I have I, not looked that good since then, I've actually. seen some photos on your, on your Facebook. Yeah, I remember. Um, so let's, let's talk about how these things all sort of seemingly, in my mind, are beginning to intertwine. You like to be healthy and natural. You've picked a product that's healthy and natural to make into a spirit. You like to be uh, the first woman in the room. That certainly must apply to this to this field too, right? You, so, uh, Can't say I like to be. It body, just kind of happened sure, that way. Sure. Bodybuilding's kind of, I would think, a kind of a boys club, right? And oh, then, there's and many then, women in bodybuilding. And then spirits making is kind of a boys club. Yeah, I, there are definitely many women in both, but I feel like it's still... The spirits industry is a dinosaur antiquated industry, seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got issues going on right now. 50 best bars. You want to talk about that? We talked about it off air. We can talk about it on air. Where, where do we begin? I don't know. Uh, let's catch the listener up, I suppose. 50 best bars list came out uh, just last week. Um, they gave a, a, an award that they give every year called the Industry Icon Award to a guy named Charles Schulman, who owns Schulman's in Germany, which also won... One of the 50 best slots, I'm not sure which slot, um, he is on record as having said things like, women don't belong in bars, um, women uh, or, or, or women don't belong in bars after 3 p.m. Right, right. They can work the lunch shift. Yeah. The, 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 the characters in bars that mean the most are the men, right? Yeah. Something like that. Antiquated crap. Like yeah, antiquated crap, which he said a long time ago, but also someone brought it up in a new interview and he doubled down and said, yes, I still feel that way. And it seems like a error on the part of... Uh, the organization for awarding this, you know, archaic thinking uh, with this icon uh, designation. And there's been a lot of blowback. And apparently he has returned the award and I guess 50 Best has come out and said, you know, we just uh, can't tally the votes from our voters. Uh, it didn't seem like their apology was Yeah, it, se- it seems like a lot of, it, a lot of people are you still got a You still got a vet. You got a vet who's yeah. on the list. You can't just say these people are on the list and vote, right? So the apology from World's 50 Best felt like a cover my ass uh, apology. And then his pseudo apology slash I don't want the award anymore was quite juvenile. It sounded very sour grapes. Sour anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, like I said before, uh, this individual is someone who friends of mine in Europe love and adore. And I thought, okay, he's got to have some redeeming qualities. Like maybe this is the opportunity for him to own his shit and um, change the narrative and actually come out the good guy in the end. And it was, it was just sad. I just thought it was sad. It was a, yeah, I think I agree, and I think uh, you know apologies go a long way, and, and efforts to you know redeem and, and make up for things that you've said in the past that may you know not be equitable to say today. You know, there's there's a lot to be repaired with a simple apology. I also think that a good deal of the, the pressure should be put on Fifty Best. You know, you can't just tally the votes. You've got to vet the people who are being voted on in the first place. You got to do a little digging. You can't just sit back. Well, and, he also you can't got just an sit award. back and stick, he, take sponsor money and they yeah. they they also got an award at Tails this year, remember? I didn't even notice. No. Yeah, they got a they got a international best bar award, I think. Schumann's, yeah. Ish. Well, I mean, well that's that's the bar over the man. Eh, yeah. The, the icon part. I, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, things that need to be addressed in this soup. Um but I think that it's just not being handled correctly. And the sad truth is when that happens, 
you get the court of public opinion and mob mentality happens and then and then things get you know blurry and worse like, i think it makes it you know stirs up stirs it up and makes it even worse well, i mean honestly let's talk about you know the court of of public opinion a lot of times okay. in these instances i feel like okay why can you know let's say a suggestion for world's 50 best let's have a meeting of the minds with this individual and then people who are grieved by his you know past statements and actually sit down to to talk about this and open up a discussion. I mean, he's a 70-year-old man, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I again, I'm not trying to excuse anything, but he comes from a different era. You know, I personally have dealt with so much crap with the Greek uh, community, especially in the old country. You know, when I launched Cleos in Greece, everyone I met with was, who's your boss? Yeah. You know, uh is this your family brand or something like this? You know what I mean? It's just very anachronistic. So Europe is definitely more behind when it comes to the women's movement for sure. sure. So, you know, why can't we just turn this situation around and really make it an opportunity for learning and growth? Even for somebody at that age who we may all think like, oh, you know what? This guy doesn't think he did anything wrong, you know maybe there's a way to actually make it an educational experience for, for a lot of people. Yeah. For all the parties that are involved yeah. rather than just this, like, you know, I, I really am not a fan of the call out culture, you know, this yeah. kind of like key, I call it the keyboard gangsters on Facebook. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm the, I'm, I'm actually a very confrontational person. You know, if somebody calls me out on something, I'm going to be like, Hey, pick up the phone call. What, what's up? Like, let's talk about this. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, ultimately I think maybe that's really where the fail is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, here's the lame apology. Number one, here's the lame apology. Number two, now we're going to shut this up and we're going to brush it under the rug. It's just, it's just so immature and not progressive, you know? Yeah. Well, I think following what you said that that same, uh, um, keyboard, what do you call it? Mafia? Keyboard gangster. gangsters. The keyboard gangsters, they come out in a, it's a second wave. Right, the apologies come out, and then everybody's like, "That was a false apology. That was a hollow." You know, so now it's wave two. When you're right, I think any of these situations could be, uh, you know, harnessed and turned around and made into teaching and learning moments for all parties involved. Anyways, well, uh, maybe they can listen to this podcast and take our suggestion. Yeah, well, they probably won't. But thanks for listening. No, <laughs> no, they will. They will. We have a voice, and you know, I, I'm happy to use it. Uh, I'm happy to point it towards things that needed to be pointed at. And thanks for indulging and, and talking about that just for a second because it's a hot topic in our industry right now and I wanted to touch on it while we we're on the air and especially with someone like you who's representing that marginalized category of being a woman um, and, and, and you know making great strides and, and doing great things. So now, let's talk about those great things you're doing. Uh, we've all got a glass in our hands. So Well, you just killed yours because you got so... Uh, it's just so delicious. Yeah, you couldn't, hold, you couldn't hold back. There's more. You brought a whole bottle. Yeah. Um, the whole bottle was just... Gorgeous, by the way. Yeah, it's a beautiful bottle. Uh, I'll take a picture and put that on the Instagram so you can see that. But also, let's talk about the juice that's inside. Tell me all about it as I'm raising it to my nose. So, Cleos is different than other masticas in a number of ways. Um, And actually, from cordials in a number of ways, right? So, when it comes to cordials or slash sweet liqueurs... Uh, these are not products that are as complex to make as, let's say, a scotch whiskey, right? So when it comes to liqueurs, it's really going to be all about your base spirits and your raw ingredients and what form of that are you using. So 
um, you know, with top selling cordial brands, I'm not going to name names right now. Majority are made with artificial flavors and colorings. Sure. Then you've got products that use um, essential oils. Like De Serrano is a brand I worked on that uses an essential oil extract um, from apricot kernels that they vacuum extract. Um, and then you have the actual raw ingredient, you know, where some people will actually do macerations in fruit, let's say, for example. Right. So in the instance with Cleo's, what I use is a neutral grain spirit base. It's not made in Greece. There's nobody that's making GNS in Greece. Um, I get it from Poland, and it's a blend of cereal grains, so barley, wheat, and rye. Uh, most liqueurs and most amari uh, use sugar beet. Yep. Um, so sugar beet's going to be the cheapest alcohol you can buy bulk on the global market. What I didn't like about it for Cleos was it kind of, I felt, covered some of the organoleptic qualities of the mastica, meaning it's not truly neutral. So you saw or you just smelled the essential oil. That is like an aroma bomb. You can smell it from across the room. And so for something to actually kill that was sad. Sure. Um, So I did not like the sugar beets as a base. I experimented with corn, cane, grain, um, molasses. And I found the neutral grain spirit to be kind of superior um, to all of those. And this was, uh, surely you weren't just doing this on your own. You were, you had opinions from other people as uh, well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I worked with four, I mean, I worked, I went through four different distilleries and the initial distillery I worked with was the Metaxa distillery, whom I used to work for those guys. Um, and they make Skinos, which is kind of the leading Mastika brand in Greece. Um, but I wasn't kind of happy with those formulas because they would only use sugar beet. They wouldn't experiment with anything else. Um, so where I ended up, ironically, was on the island of Lesvos, working with Greece's first female distiller. <laughs> so two Greek women, island of Lesvos. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, uh, that's great. But it was with Marusa that I feel like we really kind of perfected this formula. Um, so second point of differentiation is going to be the distillation process. This is a double distillation process. Uh, really, no brands are doing this in Greece. Um, so we use... The first distillation is done with the raw resin, and it's a nine-hour, pretty slow distillation process when we're talking about cordials and liqueurs. So one nine-hour distillation with the resin, and then a second distillation that's with the essential oil. And what that does is essentially rectify the spirit, because this is, you know... An agricultural product, right? Mm-hmm. 10 grams of mastic are not going to be the same every time. So that second distillation with the essential oil bumps up flavor and aroma and then ensures consistency batch to batch. Roger. Um, and then what using the raw resin actually does, and I'll tell you why no one in Greece uses the raw resin, because I will give, give you some, uh, Souther, and I challenge you to make a simple syrup with it. It ruins your pots and pans. It sticks to everything. Um, so pretty much no distillery really wants to have to clean the stills after putting mastica in it. So we've got dedicated stills. We have two dedicated stills at the Arvanitis distillery that are dedicated for mastica. No other botanical goes in there, which is hugely important because every distillery in Greece that's making mastica is also making ouzo. And I'm sure you guys know what a miserable flavor and aroma anise is. To get out of the still. So with Cleos, you've got a crystal clean mastica distillate. Probably the most notable thing is going to be sugar content. Um, this is under 30% sugar. Most masticas are over 50, yeah. like 50 to 60. 
Um, Skinos was floating at like 42 to 44 when I last tested it. Um, so again, and, and you know this, Souther, any, anyone in the bartending community, you want to be able to control the sugar content in your cocktail. You can always add sugar, but you can't take it away, right? So again, I really wanted to make this kind of a double duty. Drink it on the rocks, but really more of a workhorse for you behind the bar. Um, I've been kind of jokingly calling it bartender's olive oil instead of <laughs> bartender's ketchup. You know what I mean? Um, it, 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 it's true. It literally goes with everything. It literally one-to-one with every base spirit on the back bar. And it is great with Amari. Yeah, Mezcal, was, tequila particularly, I love it. I think so, yeah, because I was going to say, it's kind of got a little grassy note on the nose. Gin's the number one go-to for, sure. for people with mastica. Like, I had to source cocktail recipes for another food and wine piece, and I reached out to bartenders all over the country. And I'm not kidding, it was like 8 out of 10 all gave me gin recipes. I'm like, come on, man, somebody give me something else. Well, see, that that almost feels like kind of a, an, an easy move to me. Because, yeah, you know, it's it, obvious. It, yeah. Well, you follow the path of least resistance at first, you know? I guess, but to me, I don't know. I feel like that would be a chocolate chocolate chip cookie. Like, I smelled this, and I was definitely thinking more, you know, honestly, my brain went to, like, Pisco, like some of, the, like, the sure. the less aged grape spirits. Sure. I think would be really Yeah, again, that, that sort of grassy, uh, you know, agricultural na- nature. Pl- place called Back Bar in Boston, bar that I love, Sam Treadway. They just posted a drink yesterday with Cleos and Avoa Cachaça and Chartres. Ooh, nice. Oh, I was there. I was there. Um, I was wondering why that sounded familiar. They yeah, were that place the is great. first bar in Boston to pick up Cleos. Doesn't surprise me. They've got that very international focus going on over there. They have a phenomenal bar program. How long has the, the product been available? So only about a year and a half now. I launched March of 2018 in Massachusetts because had to get that hometown love. And the other reality is I was also sleeping on my mother's couch for the past year and a half because I had to. So, um, yeah, that's why I didn't launch New York first. I mean, entrepreneurship is, is it's I think it's defined as sacrifice, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's a sacrifice. Oh, yeah. I, I compare the journey of getting Cleos off the ground to the story of Sisyphus. You guys know the mythological of story of Sisyphus, yeah. the guy who was punished to eternally push a boulder up the hill and then when he gets to the top it gets pushed back down it rolls back down yeah and that's you know that's not unique to me that's entrepreneurialism in general you know the minute you tackle one thing there's something else that gets thrown in your face and frankly what's again i'm not saying that i came into this cocky i've been in the industry for you know almost 20 years i worked on the supplier side bacardi remy i was a brand ambassador for metaxa i consulted for tons of startup brands And it was in, you know, consulting for startups that a lot of times I would meet these founders, you know, that would be non-industry folk many, many times. And I would kind of look at them and just kind of think like, why are you doing this? And like, who gave you money? (laughs) You know, and just like, why? I have this amazing product, this amazing idea. Why can't I get any money? God damn it. Um, But I came into it thinking like, oh, I've been doing this forever. I know the game. And I can't tell you how many mistakes I made along the way. I mean, Um, I'm certain that that not only were humbling, but also kind of like, oh, man, the universe is really testing my ass to see how badly I want this. And I'm definitely not a give up kind of a person. Um, And frankly, that's where that's where I would say, honestly, fitness plays the most important role in my life it is much more mental for me than it is anything else. Like I 
I kind of hashtag sometimes sanity over vanity. Um, it's really more about mental health for me. Uh, they say in the military that, you know, the first thing you should do is make your bed. For me, the first thing I do every day is go work out. You know, my day has not begun until I've had my workout. I, you know, with some people, it's like, you got to drink coffee. I'm like, don't talk to me until I've worked out. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, it's discipline, right? It's yeah. And it's it sets the tone for the day. But, you know, for me also, I use the gym. Um, I use a lot of like visualization techniques at the gym, you know, when I'm tired or when I'm sluggish or when a weight is feeling too heavy, I'll kind of say to myself, like, all right, you pick up this weight, you're closing that next investor. Um, so I do a lot of that kind of, you know, kind of self-help talk yeah. <laughs> to myself uh, with my workouts. And that's why I love the gym. It's very empowering. Yeah. Well, also, I'm certain, you know, not just the discipline aspect, not just the physical health aspect. It, it brings you some balance, right? I, I, I complain all the time about how my life is, especially in the last 14 months, just been so wildly out of balance. I, I really think balance is uh, an elusive term. It's kind of like talking about happiness. You know what I mean? Like for me, I, I, I don't know. The, the irony, I follow like a lot of, you know, gurus and self-help folk and stuff. And the irony with some of these people is like they're actually not doing anything. So if you have no stress in your life, yeah, sure. It's yeah. super easy to be all zen and, ba- and quote unquote <laughs> balanced. You know what I mean? Like my life is completely out of balance right now. And that is just the reality. What it's more about is, you know, what I've kind of had to train myself to do is, you know, I think happiness, balance, these are habits. You know, they're not a state of mind. Mm-hmm. They are They are habits, you know. So it's kind of... You know, I have this big goal to build this brand and make the new global Greek spirit brand. But at the end of the day, you know, we can always get caught up with looking at what's ahead rather than, you know, again, it sounds cliche, but like enjoying the moment. And that's another reason why I love the gym, because I'm like, oh, that makes me happy. You know, my sister just had a baby hanging out with the baby. That made me really happy. You know, maybe everything else is kind of going to shit. (laughs) But, you know, you can choose happiness. Being here, the, being here in the sense. studio with us makes me happy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I came in here with a big grin on my face. This is like my happiest point of my week every week. So let's take one more sip and talk about this, uh, and then we'll talk about, um, we got to wrap up the show, but let's talk about wh- where are you? Where can, where can people get you? Um, so Cleos is in Massachusetts, New York, Rhode Island, and New Jersey. So far. And the UK, um, and Cyprus, and... Uh, I know we were just maybe um, slapping the wrist of World's 50, but I'm very proud to say I am in many of the World's 50 best bars. Yeah, outstanding. Number one and two, Dante, Conant Bar, Lost and Found in Cyprus, I think just got dropped to like 52. Um, In terms of in New York, it's Pouring Ribbons, Blacktail, The Aviary, um, Dead Rabbit, Macau, Employees Only. So a lot of good pedigree bars. It's a hell of a roster. And hopefully in Amoria yeah. Margo soon too, right? Soon, yes. It's a hell of a roster. Um, yeah, I, I, again, uh, I'm glad you said that. I don't want to I don't want to knock the whole organization. I want to knock that they made a mistake. 50 best. Everyone right? makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. I'm totally willing to give everybody another try. Um, I'm willing to give Schumann another try. I never met the guy. Uh, but, you know, if, if, again, if we could make this a teaching and learning moment for everybody involved, I think it would be the better, the better hand to play. 
Absolutely. I'm not. Uh, I'm not boycotting. I'm not discounting. I took down my posts because that's what the, the I think the right thing to do until this stuff gets resolved. You know, I, I posted because I'm Mar Margo's number ninety four on the fifty best list. <laughs> it's, it's weird math, but it works. Um, you know, but I took down the posts until until a resolve is made, and then I'll, I'll again be proud of being on that list, right? But in the, at the at the moment, I'm just not proud of being on it, right? Fair yeah. enough. <clears throat> but I I, I I I have plenty of room in my purview for you know redemption. I think they can redeem themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to be there next year. I'd love to be on again uh, list again next year. Like all the things, uh, I don't I don't want to take anything in such a way that it's it's broken forever, right? It's it's they made a mistake. Let's fix the mistake. Anyway, what a great time chatting with you today. What a great uh, opportunity to taste some really cool stuff. Um, uh, and Cleos, available at liquor stores and all the places that you just listed. Is there any opportunity to buy online? Are they, are they, yes. Um, is it through And Aster? if you go on my website, it's okay. drinkcleos.com. Uh, I have a where to buy link. And there's cool. a, one retailer that ships to 12 states. Within New York, whatever retailers ship online are pretty much listed. Um Drink Cleos, by the way, it's spelled K K L E. And then in New Jersey, they ship online. Massachusetts, they ship online. I've got a great one in the UK called Master of Malt that ships all over the world except for the US because of our antiquated liquor laws. <laughs> yeah, I know Master of Malt. It pisses me <laughs> off to no end because uh, I see stuff on there all the time. I'm, oh, I want the, oh, yeah, right, Master of Malt. Oh, I'm about to open up <laughs> Australia too, I think. Whoa, oh, nice. That's and that was through Simon Difford. Um, farthest place away on earth. Um, uh, what if someone wanted to reach out to you directly? Is that possible? Do you want them to? And if so, how? Sure. Um, it's Effie, E-F-F-I-E, at drinkcleos.com. Yeah, fantastic. So it's drink and then K-L-E-O-S. You got an Instagram or something you want to pimp? Same thing, at drinkcleos. Drinkcleos. And I'm not paying for anything, so please, all the followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, well, what a great time having you on. Thanks so much for being on the Speakeasy with us this week. Uh that's all I got, Greg. Let's got do it again. Else? Yeah, okay. Yeah, why not? There's always more to talk about. You got anything else for me, Greg? Um, no, nah, just uh, join the rest of this uh, Cleos over here. You're right. It does kind of uh, settle. It settles the stomach. Which yeah, from good. all that pizza. I kind of want more pizza. I'm glad we still have some. <laughs> um, well, all right, then. Uh, we look forward to hearing your show come out on December 1st. Uh, that's uh, a Bar None podcast, so look out for that. Uh, please come by Maury Margo's new location in Williamsburg, Brooklyn at uh, 188 Havermeyer, Havermeyer in South Forth. Uh, other than that, we'll see you at the bar, guys. Cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com forward slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.